I'm going to get myself sorted. For those of you who don't know me, um, I'm actually going to pray before we get started, but my name is Jonathan. That is my beautiful wife, Pastor Jasmine, and my kids are running around somewhere, as they always are. Um, But let us pray before we start, because it is just an um, awesome privilege to be able to come together to be the church family, whether you are a regular attender here on a Sunday morning or Sunday night, or you are here for the first time, or you're visiting a friend, or whatever that may be, we are part of God's family, and we are able to worship that one true God. So let me kick off this portion of tonight um, by praying and um, thanking God for this opportunity. So God, I do want to thank you for all that you are doing in our lives, that no what we are going through, no matter what is going And you want us to trust you. You want to lead us through those fires. You want to lead us through those things. And you want us to reach out and take your hand and be pulled up out of those waters sometimes when we are struggling in our faith. I just ask tonight that you would use the words that I have prepared, the words that you have given to me, and that you would soften hearts tonight, soften my heart, that I would be ready for what you are going to do. Soften each of our hearts. May we be sitting next to the right person in the right seat, whatever it may be, that we'll be able to hear and listen to what you are wanting to speak to us tonight. Thank you for each one who is here. And may we have that attitude of wanting to worship you and learn from you tonight. Pray all this in your name. Amen. So we have a sign out the front. And I asked it this morning, if you're here, so you get a little... uh, I don't know, cheat? I don't even know if it's really cheat. Does anyone know what it says? When you walked in, there was a sign. Welcome home. So um, it's up there. Now it is. How good. Um, I'm trying to get this bigger. I'm not over 30. You're over 30. Um, (laughs) So firstly, I would like to say welcome home. This is a home where we worship God. We serve together. We learn together and where we uh, grow and are discipled together. This is the house of God, and we are part of his family. So I want to welcome you to that. And in a home, I'm going to start off by describing a little bit of obvious, and then want to go into, maybe it might be obvious for you, but some of the things that I've learned through looking into what is a family and what it means to be part of a family. So in a home, a house usually lives a family. And that is uh, what I would like to talk about. We are all part of the family. And right at the outset, I want to acknowledge that for some of you, when I say family, it's immediate negative. It's an immediate bad response. And your feelings about family may not be that joy and that passion. I love my family. It may be bringing up some bad experiences. And and that is, I'm going to look at them later on and looking at that, that dysfunctional family maybe or a broken family or whether you not really ever got to experience family, but we'll be looking at that later on. But um, I want to look at, to begin with, the, the basic structure of a family, what is involved, what, in reality, what God planned for a family structure to be. So I'm going to ask you questions right up front, but I'm going to give you this really obvious point right at the start. And I was told, if you want people to remember it, you've got to have points. Um, so my first point is, we are all have parents. Is that new for anyone? We all have parents. Um, So 
I'm going to look at what is the role of a parent. So I've got a few things written down here, but can I get somebody, anybody, yell out, what do you see the role as a parent for, like in two words? Food. <laughs> yes? Anything else? Shelter? Heart. That is a good one. Anything else? A beacon? Money. <laughs> All right, it's good to hear where your hearts are at. That's really good. Um, so I'd written down that a parent's role is to lead and discipline is another one that I had, to encourage, to provide, which some of you said, money, shelter, food. Um, and surely it's knowing all the right things to do, right? That's what we as parents have got to do. We've got to know all the right answers, have all the right things. That's That's right. <laughs> All right, so I, we don't always have the right answers. And for a lot of us, and I heard, um, I say this often, but I was listening to a podcast. That's the preface to most of my points. Um, and they said the realisation, actually, it was in a book. That's where it was. Shock horror. It was an audio book. Um, I don't read books. It was a podcast book. And he was saying that you, parents got to be easy on your kids. It's the first time being a kid. And kids, you got to be easy on your parents because it's their first time being a parent of whatever age group. So I have never had before in my life a four-year-old and a six-year-old <laughs> at the same time. I've had a four-year-old girl. Now I've got a four-year-old boy and that's completely different. So, And then when I'm sure that you who are parents, you've never had a 13-year-old girl, 14-year-old boy, like any of those. You, it's the first time you've had that combination of what you've had. So there's a little bit of grace goes either way because also that 12-year-old, whatever it is, they've never been 12 before. That is completely off topic to what I was written down, but it just came to mind as I was saying, and it was really um, eye-opening for me at that time in that book. Um, so from parents, we're going to flip over to a child's role. What do you see a child's role? This will be interesting. What do you see a child's role is to be? Hungry? Hungry. Hungry, 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 hungry. That's all I've got. <laughs> Anything other than hungry? Listen? That's the first one on my list. <laughs> Cuddles? To give or get? Give, yes, that's good. Anything else? <laughs> that was my six-year-old. Um, so I had written down that a child's role is, in very basic terms, to listen. This to listen. Um, it must have been my children. Um, to learn, to share their excitement. That is part in the family that they are. They are young. They are fresh, and they bring life to a family. That doesn't say that you can't have life without kids. There's a, there, anyway. Um, their, their job is to grow um, because you would get concerned if your child was not growing and eventually you hope that the things that you have taught them, the way that you have taught them to live, the things that they've learnt in their life, they would want to grow up and share with others so that they would be able to one day, hopefully, that they would find that partner, that they would find that wife or husband and be able to share the, the morals that you've built into them, the character that you've brought them to be and share that with others around it. It may even be share that with their family or their, uh, their friends or their friends' family or anything of that. So we can look at those two roles and we go, oh yeah, I'm a parent. Or some of you go, I'm a kid. I've 
just got to get the money, get the food, get the shelter. Um, But as we grow up, we sometimes forget that as parents, when we get to parents, some of us, we are still children. And we still have that role to listen, to learn, to share our excitement, to grow and eventually share that with others. So we think that all we have to do is the parenting bits and we forget about the child's bit. So on top of those roles, some of you have different jobs in your family. So for me, it is to mow the lawn, although Jasmine has been amazing when I'm at work sometimes and mows the lawn, but now my mower died, so now I'm going to get another mower for her. No, for me. Um, <laughs> so putting the bins out, and Josiah was super helpful the other week. He actually is like, I can put the bins out, and I watched him, and it was, a, it was full of full. And I was like, how about I help you with that? And then when it was empty, I was like, Josiah, can you go get the bins? And he brought it in. It's starting. I love it. I don't have to do all the jobs around the house. Um, (laughs) Cooking um, might be your job at home. Or if you are a, a, I don't know, if you're studying, so if you're a student or if you're in uni, um, you might have homework or study to do. It might be your job to clean your own stinking room. Um, It may stink, but (laughs) it is part of your job. We've each got jobs. And what happens if the person who usually takes the bins out is not there for the week? Someone else has to do it, but what can sometimes happen? You You forget, because the bins don't go out. That doesn't even mean if the person who was home that was supposed to take the bins out that slept in missed the bin man also forgot to get the bins out, but that's not, not me I'm talking about, no. Um, so the things get missed. If somebody who is like usually does that job or usually does those things, the job gets missed. When the parents go away, the dishes pile up magically and the coffee table just disappears into a pile of things. Um, and then it's a magic coffee table when the parents come home and then the things disappear. I don't know where they've gone. So we have the, we are in a family and we're able to draw on each other's jobs, their skills and all those sort of things. And I'm actually, surprised it or not, the Bible says it's not good for us to do things alone. So I have Genesis 2, 18, and it said, then the Lord God said, it is not good For the man to be alone, I will make a helper who is just right for him. Guys, you need a woman. Um, No. (laughs) Yes. Amen. No. um, In God's timing. Um, And even in the New Testament, when the disciples were sent out, they weren't sent out alone. In Mark 6, 7, it says, And he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two, giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. So they weren't sent on this mission. They weren't sent, we're not meant to do life little ball of recluse by ourselves. Things get missed. We are not good at everything. Contrary to popular belief, my goodness. We're not good at everything. <laughs> and... Um, So along with having helpers, roles, different jobs, each of us do those things in our own way and we've been given gifts to do those things in our own way. So someone who's a little bit artsy might take the bins out Um, or (laughs) the other teenager might just take the bins out. Um, 
I don't know why that keeps being my example, but it's, I take the bins out. Um, so Romans 12, 6 to 8 is where um, he's talking, I'm just going to read it. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Just reading that right then, some of us may not have the gift of showing kindness to others. <laughs> so, uh, but if you do, you got to do it gladly. Um, that's not to say that you might not have to serve at any given time. You might not have to teach at any time. But with these, what this is saying, this passage is saying is if you have those gifts and God has given you those special things and you may not know what they are, and I would encourage you to seek those out and to, whether that's speaking to your pastor or speaking to those around you, say, what, what do you see that I'm good at in those sort of things? But I would encourage you to lean into your gifts. If it is leadership, that one I was just reading and is take the responsibility seriously, is don't do any of those things. It says, serve them well, teach well. It doesn't say serve half-hearted and teach when you feel like it and just lead those who are nice to you um, and show kindness to the cool kids. Um, that's not what it says. So we have to do those things well. And yeah, we have not been told to do whatever whenever we feel like it with average effort. That's not anywhere in scripture. So along with those gifts, we have different temperaments. Some of us are more emotional than others. Some really appreciate a happy birthday message. It's not me. Um, some will give you a gift when they feel like it and completely forget the special days. That's me. Um, <laughs> some are musical and can sing. Some should not sing within earshot of anything. Um, you can sing by yourself. Um, no, but God looks at our heart in those situations, just covering that. As you can see, families are diverse and complicated, yet beautiful creation of God. Let's look at two examples of a family in the Bible, and I'm going to do um, a bit of a speed run. So first, I'm going to look at the story of the prodigal son. So if you have not read that, I'm going to give you an overview, and I'm going to tell you where to find it. So the family, from what I'm reading in this parable, the family must have been very blessed to be able to have an inheritance to give to his children. So the son wanted his portion of the inheritance and went off and squandered it, and then I'll get to the rest. But the family was blessed and had a decent amount of inheritance available to the kids, so he was able to go do that. One son decided that he had his own plans and wanted the inheritance early and went off on his own. Turned out that he'd wasted what he'd been given, realised that even the servants at home had it better than where he'd got himself, humbly returned home and asked for forgiveness. Father, The father in that parable was waiting for him and ran to meet him and celebrated. But also in that story, there was a, the other son who was doing all the work and stuck at home, as it felt like, doing all the things, and he was upset and didn't want to join the celebration. And we can be 
pretty um, guilty of that sometimes is when we've seen someone off, they've gone on things and, we, and they, they've given their heart to Christ. They want to change their life and we have that little bit of skepticism. We go, oh, but I knew you when you were growing up or I knew you were this. And in those situations, and just as the father did in this situation, um, he came out to that son and he was willing to meet him where he's at. And he said, come, come and celebrate and see what has happened. He said that your brother was dead and is now alive. That was the celebration. And we so often get guilty or are guilty of not being so joyful or not celebrating when someone comes to know the Lord. We go, I don't know. But let me continue. If you want to read that whole story, you can in Luke 15, 11 to 32. So that's where you can get that one. The other family I wanted to look at in the Bible is Jacob's family, which was Israel. I'm going to give you a general overview again. So Genesis 46.4, they were promised to Jacob. He was told that he was going to have a generation that was large. Um, and they were set to be God's chosen people. people. Deuteronomy 7.6 tells us that. They were given instructions and roles and jobs, just as our family was. And Moses was given the law. They stuffed it up and ignored their father's instructions and in turn ignored God's instructions. Most of the Old Testament is my reference for that. Um, time and time again, they were called to repent and come back. And that was, we can see that through the letters from the prophets and the writings from them in the Old Testament and even into the New. And Ultimately, they were forgiven, and we are as well, forgiven and restored through Jesus and his dying on the cross and paying that price for all of that rebellion and all of that thing, the stuffing up that they did all the way through and all of the things that we continue to do has been paid for on that and you can read more about that in the New Testament. So if you want to read the rest of the story of Israel, read the Bible. I have, there's the whole thing. Um, that was my, that's the reference for that. So do these stories, you may or may not have heard all of it or absorbed all of that, but does that sound anything like us? I believe sometimes it does. We are promised so much in Christ. We are promised freedom in Christ, a purpose in Christ. We decide that we have our own goals and we do whatever we feel like doing because I've got things to do and I want to do those things. And we stuff it up and we ignore God's instructions so many times. And we have many, many reminders and opportunities to repent from God's word to those who God has put around us to teach his word to us. And some come to a point and realize that God's plan is the best plan. The rest will realize once we get to heaven. And that's in Philippians 2, 9 to 11, it says, one day every tongue will confess, every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. We realize that we are forgiven and ultimately restored through Christ and his dying on the cross, and that is Romans 5.8. And God is waiting with open arms, just as that prodigal son was coming home, the father was there waiting for us to come home. And sadly, that is the basis of most of our lives. And, and some of us, as I said in there, some come to that point of recognition that God is God is the way. God is um, the best plan for our lives, but others don't. And 
some of us are, may still be in that stage of doing our own things and whether we feel like it or not, we might be messing things up and we, or we go, why am I struggling so much? Why is this just not working? And I want to talk about that in a minute as well. We realise something is missing and when we look at a family that may not be um, functioning as well as it should be, we can often see that is missing an important piece. So where there is dysfunction, something is usually missing. So I just had the picture of a, a gearbox. If I ripped out one of the main gears in a gearbox, it ain't going to go. It's unfunctional, dysfunctional. I don't know if a gearbox is dysfunctional, but it's broke. Um, if you have a family, and this is where um, it so happens often the case, where there's a physical presence of a family member may be missing. And, or someone may have stopped doing that job. Maybe someone has stopped being that caring, supporting person and they've just given up that role. It may be the presence of love or respect in the home that is causing these imbalances and the dysfunctions. And as much as that can apply to our home and our families, this can apply to church as well. Is when certain people or whatever's going on, if, if there is a lack of what is required to make a family complete, things begin to show and things begin to become dysfunctional as such. And in the prodigal son, things weren't going well. And it wasn't that he didn't have a father anymore. He just wasn't in the father's presence. He left. The son left the father's presence. And we can get ourselves to this point of frustration in life, thinking that we've done all the things that we've wanted. We're like, yes, I was on the right path. I was doing all the things I wanted to do. Living our best life, but really we've been um, potentially just wasting this amazing inheritance, just like the prodigal son had. He'd gone out, done all these things, partying and, and really loving life. I'm sure he didn't hate that. This sounds great. But it was not the plan that um, the father had for him in this case. And we, I lost my place. We come to a point where we realize we need the head of our home and the head of our home gives us that guidance and direction. And I'm going to say it again. You still have a father. You just may not be living in his presence. God never moved and we often completely ignore him. We take our plans and the good things that he gives us and we waste it. It is painful and God is still there. He has never forgotten you and he is waiting for us to come home just as that father was for the prodigal son. And as I said, some of us may not have had the most amazing fathers and that wasn't how God's designed family. Somewhere along the lines, whether that you can relate that directly to an immediate generation before you, but somewhere through the generations, and they may blame their previous generation, they may blame their previous generation, but the hurts and the pain that come in our family, if it's been dysfunctional, can likely be rooted from the ignorance or divergence from God's instruction, bringing that pain and hurt. And I would encourage you to look, follow all the way back and you can get to Genesis where we see Adam and Eve did that exact thing. They were deceived. They chose their own way. 
and they had been given clear instructions. They had been given everything. And I, I don't think I would have done anything different. I would have gone and gone, ooh, that looks good. Um, so when we feel like we lacked guidance and clarity, we potentially are missing the presence of the Father. Confidence comes in knowing your Father. And now, again, for some of you, I don't want to know my Father. That may be your response. But confidence knows from knowing your Heavenly Father. We have generations of kids that have not had father figures in their life, and we're seeing a result of that. We have generation of lawlessness, lost, hurting, trying to find all they ever wanted in all of the wrong places. So with that role that may be missing in the home, there's a dysfunction that comes. Having the father's presence also can mean discipline. And now this discipline is not abuse. This is discipline. This is where we talk about when we talk about God and his presence, it brings its discipleship. So wanting to be guided through life, wanting to be led, wanting to be reprimanded when needed and to sometimes that may be painful. We might go down a certain way and touch an electric fence. That hurts. Don't do it again. Um, so this, yeah, there is discipline in there. And just as I described the roles of the family, some, the same applies to us and God. So up to this point, we've been talking about our families, um, but I want to talk about how your family has its similarities to your relationship with Christ, the family of God. Let's look at them again in relation to God as the father and us as his children. So in those parents' roles, his role as a father figure is to lead, to discipline, to encourage, to provide, and so much more. He says in his word that he has... He has everything, he's given us everything that we need. May not always be what we want, but he's given us everything what we need. And in the child, and that is us in this situation, in the relationship with God, it is our responsibility to learn, to listen, to be molded, to share in that excitement of how good God is and what you have learned in your life and the new things that you're finding, the greatness about God, and eventually share that with others. As God leads us and guides us in different ways, he's sitting there going, oh, I wish they would, I can't wait for them to grow up and to get into this position where I can send them out and they can just share what I've taught them with others. How much probably parents of late teenagers that are still living at home are like, I can't wait for them to take all of what I've taught them and run into the wild. <laughs> Not yet for me, a little while. But God is sitting there in that position and he's so excited. And yes, he sees us through those times where there's hurt and where there's pain. But he's also there with those open arms, waiting, asking you and ready to just embrace you as you come home. So when we know that we can come to a loving and merciful father, we realize that the shame and guilt can be taken away because we are still loved. The shame and the guilt is not from God. That is from the devil. He is saying, well, look what you did. You did those disgusting things. You went off and wasted everything that God had given you or you went and completely destroyed X, Y, Z. That shame is not from God. When we come to God, he says, I see you. Yes, those things were not the best. Those things I have dealt with. I paid for that at the cross, but I still love you. And we can come back to him. 
And when we come and ask for that forgiveness, we are forgiven. And as Romans 5 out, I mentioned it before, but it says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, while the prodigal son was still in the pig pen, while we were still messing up things and doing things our own way, Christ died for us. That's an extension of 5.8. So we need each other in this family, yes? All of you, yes? Yeah, (laughs) some of you, no. We need each other and we can get caught up in our wants and needs and we forget that we're in a family. We wander off into our own lives and this is a church family or whatever um, that represents and the family gets somewhat dysfunctional because people with certain gifts maybe have left a hole or they step back or different things and someone else has to pick up the place or we might forget some things. And that can often come when we forget the caring side or we don't realise that we've just taken someone with all of their emotional side of things and we've put them and we've just gone, just do your job. And we've disregarded their the way that God has made them. And there is... Um, a huge validity in getting to know your team and those who are close around you, your family, and what makes them them. So if you are parents or even if you are kids, you know if you are a structure person. You like, I need things in this thing. I love writing lists. That may be you. You know if you're a person who's like, nah, just wing it. It's some of us. Um you might know that you have a sensitive child and where things get just too emotional or too hyped up, they'll, they'll just take a step back and you go, okay, we'll give a moment. And we, You work together in your own family and that same thing happens and needs to happen in the church. Many of us, we come to a point where the Father will remind us of our place, of our commitment, whether through the discipline or the pain in those sort of things or through a gentle reminder. And God made the family unit. He designed it. We broke it. He repaired it permanently by sending Christ to die in our place to take that punishment for our disrespect, our disobedience and all of those things. He sent Christ to go and prepare a place for us that we can one day be in heaven and have him say once and finally, welcome home. Welcome home. He wants us to come back home. So, That sign that we have out the front that says, welcome home, welcome to this home. I want you to feel at home in the house of God. I don't want you to feel like an outsider. I don't want you to feel like you're being judged or you're coming to a place where there is shame and there is guilt. That is to be left at the door and we come and we meet with God. We meet with each other. We are human. We, I should have made that another point. It's pretty obvious. We are human. We are going to fight. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to disagree on some things. But if we have made that choice to let God be our father, and no matter what that is, some of us, we get behind a person. And when that person stuffs up, we go, ooh, and we get behind another person. And then we get behind another person and all of these sort of things. But when we let God be that person that we are behind, that God be that father and that secure, permanent head of our life, we would... We are in this together and we come to this home. Be welcomed home and let Christ lead you, comfort you, protect you and even discipline because sometimes we need it and let God be the parent and may we be humble enough 
to live as his children because so often we forget, as I said right at the beginning, we forget as we grow up that we are still children. We are still children of his. And our role is not to lead ourselves and discipline ourselves and do all these other things, although we do need to discipline some of the things we do. Our role is to listen. Our role is to learn. Our role is to be guided by God and his fatherhood over your life. And so while we might want a fun life full of our own plans and desires, but with a life with God as our father, we will have a full life. We will have a fulfilling life that will satisfy beyond our understanding and lead to an eternal celebration. Just like the prodigal son, we were dead and are now alive. We were lost and can be found. So can I encourage you tonight? Take a look at where you are. You may be still out having fun. You may be on your way home. You may be on your way out. So wherever you are in there, can I encourage you to come home? Come home and let God be that father. Let God be the one who guides and directs your life. So that is all that I have written down tonight. And, and I do really want to give you that opportunity. And we have another song coming up. And I'll actually invite the team up as before I or pray before we start the next song. But this next song um, is called First Love. And you may need to read these words and have it apply to you. As in, you might want yourself to come back to that first love, that person who loved you first. And there's a bit of a, a trip up line that the whole song finishes. It says, we'll see this world return and your first love love you first. And it is, it is an excellent song in wanting to see our friends come back to you, wanting to see our family come back to him. And that we don't want that joy and the passion and the even being part of the family to stop with us. We want it to be part of everybody's life. We don't want that fire to finish. So I'm going to pray and then step back and we're going to sing this song together. But God, I thank you for each one who is here. You know exactly where they are at. You know exactly what's going through our minds right now and whether some of you are saying, oh, I wish you would stop talking or some are really in a position where you want to work in their life and that they have come to that point and of humility. I pray that you would draw each one of us into your presence, that we would not be satisfied with fun, just be satisfied with entertainment, but we would be satisfied and fulfilled with your life and your plans for us. So would you draw us now, God, to you? Draw us to people who are going to encourage us to walk in alignment with your word. Bring friends around us that are going to encourage us. Bring parents to know you, that we can not be that outcast maybe in our family, that we're the only one that goes to church or we're the only one that actually considers anything about Christ. May our families come to know you and may we let you lead us as for the rest of our life that we would be welcomed home into your presence. And one day when we get to heaven, that we would not be in that position where we are forced to recognize that, wow, God, you are who you said you were. But we would be in there with you in that celebration, just praising you because we know that we lived a life for you. 
and that you have said, welcome home. Thank you, God, for who you are and what you are going to do. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.